So what about saturated fat and insulin resistance? There was a lot of talk about saturated fat increasing inflammation and saturated fat doing this and doing that, increasing cholesterol, you know, worsening outcomes in general. But what about saturated fat, basically red meat intake almost, and type 2 diabetes? A lot of these carnivore crowd are like, you know, well, I got healthier when I did when I did carnivore. Well, of course you're gonna get healthier. You lost like 80 pounds. Anybody who loses 80 pounds, no matter how on earth they do it, are going to get healthier. Your insulin markers are gonna get better, your cholesterol markers will get better, your blood pressure gets better, your diabetes gets better, your you know, pretty much anything you imagine absolutely gets better when you lose like 40, 50 pounds, 80 pounds, hundred pounds, whatever they're saying. And even if you lose a lot less, even if you lose just three to 5% of your total body weight, you do gain a lot of benefits when it comes to blood pressure, cholesterol, chronic disease, diabetes, what have you. So what about this saturated uh, fat causing or worsening insulin resistance? They're all like, well, you're just looking at bad studies. You're looking at food frequency logs, blah, 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 you know, a bunch of nonsense. They don't even read the studies. They're just like, it, it's against what we believe. So there was a recent study that looked at 5.4 million people, and it was fantastically done. Very, very well done. Very uh, organized, done in a, a perfect manner. And I'm not telling you this because I'm anti-red meat. I eat red meat, but my LDL cholesterol is also 41. And my... Uh, insulin resistance markers, A1C, all that is like incredibly low. I don't have any of that. So obviously I'm not, you know, worried about this myself, but let's take a look. So I think the best way to approach this is to read that chapter out of my new cholesterol book. It is in chapter 10. It's called saturated fat worsens insulin resistance. So I'm just going to read this to you because I don't think I can do it justice just by winging it off the top of my head. Um, but here we go. I'm just going to read this to you and you guys can, uh, it's not that long. Perhaps the most well-done study on this topic was just published October 19th, 2023 in the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition by the Harvard research team looking at 216,000 people in the Nurses Health Study 1, the Nurses Health Study 2, and the Health Professionals Follow-Up Study, which is HPFS. This was a prospective cohort study. Remember, prospective cohort study with over 5.4 million years of follow-up. This was a collection of health professionals. You can argue that they were well-educated and more health conscious than the general public. This is obviously not always true, but generally can be. Physicians have much lower obesity rates than the general public. They looked at the relationship between red meat intake and cases of type 2 diabetes. They examined the intake of total, processed, and unprocessed red meat intake. They found a positive and linear correlation between red meat intake, total, processed, and unprocessed, and high risk of type 2 diabetes. Comparing the highest to the lowest quintiles of intake, you had a 62% higher chance of having type 2 diabetes in those that consumed the most total red meat, 51% increase for processed red meat, and 40% increase for unprocessed red meat. This is in quintiles. This is a quintiles comparison. The consumption of red meat is divided up into five parts, the top 20%, the next 20%, and so on until you have five different levels of red meat intake from the top 20% to the bottom 20%. The skeptics may argue that this was an epidemiological study based on fruit frequency questionnaires 
and that those are not reliable. Wrong. This was a prospective cohort study. It was not a retrospective epidemiological study based on food recall. Also, food frequency questionnaires have been validated by research and data. They have been validated over time. But wait, there's more. They also had participants weigh every morsel of food they ate and record it in grams for seven days. The food frequency questionnaires were done every two to four years and calibrated against their food logs. They did this for 30 years. Now just let that sink in. They actually had them log all their food and it was a prospective study that they did for 30 years. Back to the text. When they reanalyzed the data against the calibrated food logs, the association between total processed and unprocessed red meat intake was actually stronger. They also found that for every one serving of total red meat that was substituted for nuts or legumes, you had a 30% reduction in type 2 diabetes, 41% reduction for processed red meat, and 29% for unprocessed. What about healthy user bias? Aren't people that eat red meat generally unhealthy? Don't they smoke more, eat more processed foods, eat mostly hot dogs, cheeseburgers, chips, and mayo? Aren't they more likely to be sedentary? The researchers corrected for all of that. They corrected for every co-founder and co-variate. They also looked at the overall dietary eating patterns. So you were comparing someone with high red meat intake that eats lots of processed sugar to someone with high red meat intake that eats no processed sugar. They did this for disease states, race, ethnicity, socioeconomic factors, income levels, geographic regions, smoking status, BMI, gender, age, and many other factors you wouldn't normally consider. This was one of the most well-done red meat studies that has validated prior data and research suggesting red meat intake was associated with higher incidence of type 2 diabetes. The graphics from that study are quite impressive and located in the red meat chapter of this book. Read the study and then there's a link to the study. Now, what's my take on this? So first of all, I'm not here to tell you don't eat red meat. There's a lot of people who are like obsessed with eating red meat and think it's like the greatest thing in the world. That is totally fine. The take-home message is when you eat an inflammatory diet full of saturated fat, you're going to have all kinds of inflammatory disease states, hypertension, chronic disease, obesity, fatty liver disease, diabetes. All of those things have been shown with increased saturated fat intake. Saturated fat in and of itself is inflammatory. There's no debate about it. The next section in the book goes on to discuss the studies that show that saturated fat is very pro-inflammatory. So we're not making this stuff up. And this was not a food recall log from 30 years ago. What did you used to eat when you were 15 or 20? No, this is a prospective cohort study where they not only asked them what they eat, but they also had them track calories gram by gram for a week. And they had stronger associations when they calibrated the, the food questionnaires against the actual food logs. So this is about as good as it gets in terms of like looking at food versus outcomes. And again, I am not telling you don't eat red meat. You can eat whatever the hell you want. I'm telling you what the data says. Now, are there ways to eat red meat that do not include saturated fat? Yeah, absolutely. You could eat filet, tenderloin, top, top, uh, sirloin. There's a, there's a, there's cuts of meat that don't include a lot of saturated fat. You can cut the fat off. Um, you can avoid things like saturated fat or 
if you can't get that out of your diet as much, you can actually take medications. What a novel idea. We now have ways of eliminating heart disease completely, but there's idiots out there that don't want to do that. They're just like, nah, I just want to plug up my arteries and die. Like, what? We, I'm telling you right now, we have ways of completely eliminating heart disease. Like, you don't have to have it anymore. We know by a multitude of studies, and I've talked about this millions of times before, by a multitude of studies, what causes heart disease and what doesn't, who gets it and who doesn't, we have ways to lower your cholesterol to the point where you will not be at risk for heart disease. Now, will there be people who still get it? Occasionally. Not that many, though. We could probably reduce it by 95 to 99%, I would say. Which means you will absolutely die of other things. The other people that are in other fields are working on those frontiers. Cancers, uh, you know, dementia, that kind of stuff. I'm working on cardiology. I'm a preventive cardiologist. My job is to prevent you from ever needing a cardiologist. That's what I do. I don't want you to ever need me. But people don't want to listen. They're like, well, I know better than you. You know, they're like a 20-year-old thinks they have a degree in something and thinks they can interpret data. Literally, I posted this study on uh, some social media outlets and people were like, eh, I'm not looking at food, food questionnaires or epidemiological studies. Like, did you even open the study and read it? This is not an epidemiological food recall study. This is a prospective study. They had food logs. They tracked food for 30 years. All right, this was not one of these BS kind of studies. But listen, you can do what you want. I'm not telling you what to do with your life. I'm telling you how to do it right. You want to enjoy your meat, like what I always say, you can eat your steak. You can have your steak and eat it too. You can eat your steak and just let us control your LDL. Let us get your ApoB down. Why is that so hard? They're not mutually exclusive. It's not like if you eat steak, then you can't ever take medications. Or if you take medications, you can't ever eat steak. Where the hell did this come from? This comes from this like anti-education, anti-vax, anti-everything crowd. And I'm not anti-any of those things. You could be that if you want to. You're anti-medications. You're anti-things that are unnatural. You're anti-science. I get all that. You don't have to say we only can eat red meat, but that means we can't have medications. Or if we're taking medications, we can't ever eat red meat. Listen, chicken and turkey and salmon have saturated fat in it too. So does dairy. So does cheese. There's lots of things that we recommend, for example, on a, on a Mediterranean diet, a heart-healthy diet, that includes saturated fat. They're not mutually exclusive. You do not have to pick one or the other. You can eat whatever the hell you want and let us treat it down. Now, of course, you guys would laugh and be like, you're eating Twinkies and Pop-Tarts and all this processed food and you're taking Lipitor. Well, how much sense does that make? Well, it's it's the... It, it's okay. It still works. It's not perfect. It's not optimal. It's not going to optimize your health, but at least you won't get heart disease, right? That's what we're trying to do. The heart disease is the number one killer. We're trying to prevent it from killing more people. Why is that so hard uh, to grasp that concept? Unfortunately, there's a lot of these people that are just anti-expertise. They are anti-experts of all kinds. I have nothing to gain out of this. I don't need to be doing these podcasts. I don't need to be on social media. My life was perfectly happy without all the social media, without any of this. I got nothing to sell you. The only disclosure I have is I do sell a weight loss book and a cookbook. They're like, they're free online and you can buy them on Amazon if you want to. I get nothing out of this, people. I'm literally just trying to get you to not ever need a cardiologist, not to fall for the grifters, not to fall for the anti-science stuff, 
not to end up with quadruple bypass at age 36, not to end up my patient. I don't want any more patients. You guys are like, well, yeah, you do because you make money from patients, from keeping people sick. No, we got plenty of patients that have valve disease and other diseases. We don't need you. We don't need any of you. We don't need you to get sick and then be our patients forever. We got plenty of stuff to do without you. Trust me. We are, our salaries and our whole, and our income and all of that depends zero on you guys and your, your, you know, fake theories and conspiracy theories. Just stop with the nonsense. All of us, even the carnivore people, even Paul Saladino, even Sean Baker, even other people in this space, they want what's good for you. We don't have to agree on how to get there. I had a, I, I talked with Paul Saladino for two and a half hours. A lot of it didn't make it online because it was private talk. You know, we talked before we pressed record and we talked afterwards and he agreed at the end, even on the podcast, not behind the scenes, but even on the podcast, he agreed that, listen, we're all in this together. We want patients to get healthy. We might not agree on how we do that, but we all want patients to get healthy. Even Sean Baker, you know, he's, he's attacking me, making fun. It's all funny games, man. That's what the internet's for. You know, you poke fun at each other, try to bring your points and try to, uh, you know, maybe get the other person to answer certain questions. He brings his view. I bring my view. Saladino can bring his view. Whoever else is involved in this, I don't know, the vegetarian people, whatever, you know, all the different sides, Lane Norton, you know, what have you. Um, the, there's nothing wrong with debating these topics. That's what we do as humans. We bring these things up. We talk online. Obviously online, especially on Twitter, you got 140 characters, maybe a little bit more. It's kind of hard to bring your point across without sounding cold because you got to keep it short and sounding like not that caring, not that emotional. I get that. And I and I and we can look past that. There's always going to be tweets that are like, did he really just say that? Not me, but everybody. But still... I believe that everyone wants to get everyone better. It's just that you have to look at what science makes the most sense to you. You know, Saladino and Baker do not do cardiac catheterizations on people. They don't look inside your arteries. They don't manage people long term when they have heart disease, you know, and you guys are like, well, you just want to keep people long term. No, I don't. But once you end up with a heart attack, you're going to need me. I mean, I'm not telling you I want you, but you're going to need me. And, and then they say, well, why don't you teach lifestyle? It's too freaking late. I'm a cardiologist. I don't see patients when they're 10, 12, 15, 20, 30 years old. I see them at the end. I see them when they've already had a heart attack, already had open heart surgery, had their valves replaced, had a stroke, had whatever. I see them in the end. That's why I'm out here teaching because I don't want to see you 40 years ago. Most of my patients, honestly, when they come to me in the office, they're like, damn, I wish I would have met you 40 years ago. Because I probably would have never needed you. And that's what I'm trying to do. The reason I'm on social media, all the social medias, where the young people are on TikTok, the Instagrams, the Facebooks, the Pinterest, the Twitters, the LinkedIn, all the socials, because I don't want you to ever need me. I don't want you to walk in my office one day and be like, I wish I would have met you 40 years ago or end up on my cardiac cath table where we're working on you for hours trying to get you back. I don't want that at all for anybody. The advice of some people that are not cardiologists, uh, and I'm not saying it's their fault because they don't know any better. They're they're inquisitive. They're trying to learn. They're trying to figure out, is this true or not? Does does LDL really cause this? Does does heart disease really this? Does does eating red meat do this? Because there's all these people like, I eat red meat and I feel better. Okay, great. There's lots of ways to feel better. Well, you say, well, you know, I used to eat 
I used to eat the American diet and pop tarts and, 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 uh, I don't know, Twinkies and I didn't feel good. Well, no kidding. I mean, like, what did you expect to feel eating pop tarts and Twinkies and Doritos all day? Can you lose weight on those things? Absolutely. Is it optimal? No. Can you lose weight on keto or carnivore or any of these diets? Absolutely. And if that's what you can stick to and your cholesterol doesn't go up, then that is the right diet for you. Can you lose weight eating only Pop-Tarts and Twinkies? Absolutely. It's been done for before. The science is there. Is that optimal? No, it is not optimal. The most proven and healthiest diets are the Mediterranean diet, which I, is my cookbook is the Heart Healthy. It's called Heart to Heart. It's a heart healthy Mediterranean diet, low saturated, no lower, no saturated fat, no salt, super flavorful, and is divided up into chapters based on calories, 1800 calories, 2200 calories, whatever. Because I'm a bodybuilder, each calorie contains enough protein that you don't lose as much muscle when you diet down because when you're in a calorie deficit, the fear is that you lose muscle. Go grab it. I'll give you a free copy. I'm not here to sell you anything. I don't need money. I mean, I got a job. You know, I like my job. I don't need your money to buy, you know, a $5 cookbook or whatever it is. I swear to you, I'll send it to you for free. But I want you to understand how to eat correctly so that you lose weight while eating healthy, nutritious, delicious food, breakfast, lunch, dinner, and dessert, and improve all of your health markers while preserving muscle mass, because I am a certified personal trainer too. I don't want to lose muscle mass. I lift weights pretty much every day. I'm pretty muscular, I think, you know, and I, that's what I want for everybody. But the problem is they come to me too late, and it's because of nonsense like this. A lot of the stuff you see on social media is a bunch of nonsense where people are like, you can eat this and you can eat that. If you here's what I here's what I would say as my final words to carnivore or keto people. There's no question about saturated fat linked to and or causing heart disease. You can call it an association, you can call it the cause, you can call it maybe. You can look at all these one-off studies. You know, I have a whole chapter in my book and I've done videos where it's called that one study. Somebody posts that one study. Well, look at that one study. It said saturated fat's okay. Like just stop, people. I can design a study to show you almost anything. Saturated fat is on a sigmoidal curve. Below 6% of total calories, there's no change in cardiovascular mortality, cardiovascular outcomes, cardiovascular events, all-cause mortality, anything. Above 12%, anywhere from 12 to 40%, 50%, whatever, there's no change in any of those outcomes either. Right around 8 or 9%, there's an inflection point. If you're on either side of that, you can design a study to show that saturated fat does nothing. If you're on the inflection point, though, you're right around 9 10% total calories, you drop it to seven, seven or six. That's where you see the, the difference in mortality, the difference in all cause uh, mortality, the cardiovascular events, all of that. And I'm not telling you this because I'm trying to scare you. I really don't care what you eat. But don't throw away the science because you saw this one dumb study. One dumb study or one off studies. I usually call it, quote unquote, that one study. I actually did a podcast called That One Study. People want to like hang their hat on that one study. All of the data in the world, there's there's studies with 20 million data points and you want to hang your hat on that one study with 15 people or 1,000 people or 2,000 people or whatever. And it may be a well-done study, but you cannot debate 20 million data points and 100 years worth of data now showing that cholesterol causes atherosclerosis. When we infuse cholesterol into rabbits, they get atherosclerosis. I mean, like that was in 1914 more than a hundred years ago, you know, and we're still debating this, but listen, I got, I'm not trying to like convince you one way or another. You're a smart person. Hopefully you can debate this all you want. My cholesterol book is coming out soon. Highly recommend you read that no matter what side you're on, 
Whether you're vegan, vegetarian, keto, non-keto, Mediterranean, DASH, paleo, Tom Brady diet, whatever diet you want, uh, read the book. I don't care. In the book, I don't tell you what to eat. You can eat whatever you want. But if your cholesterol goes up, don't be a dumbass. Let us get it down for you. There's no question that reducing cholesterol improves outcomes. Literally every study that's ever been done that has shown a reduction in LDL cholesterol or ApoB, however you want to measure it, has shown improved outcomes. Now you can say, well, there's short-term studies, the relative risk that, the, the absolute risk this. Okay, carried out on a long enough time horizon, the absolute risk will dwarf the relative risk. That's an entire chapter in my new cholesterol book too. There's a whole chapter on that. The absolute risk versus relative risk, what it actually means, and how you look at the area under the curve, carried out on a long enough time horizon. These studies are usually one year, two years, five years, eight years, 12 years, what have you. If you carry it out on a long enough, and, and a lot of times they use cholesteramine, which is a really old bile acid sequester. It was a nonsense medication. I mean, it barely even worked. But they use that as their example of absolute risk versus uh, relative risk, which is just, they're, they're on different scales and it's a bunch of nonsense, but they like to use that example. But if you look at any normal, you know, statin study, we know from the Jupiter trial, LDL cholesterol below 57, there's no heart disease. Like literally there was no heart disease. Um, and same thing with, with some of these other trials. But either way, every study that's ever been done on lowering LDL cholesterol or ApoB has shown outcomes, tremendous outcomes. And if you carry the absolute risk, they're like, well, the absolute risk was only 1%. First of all, 1% of the 9 billion people that live on earth is a lot of people. You're saving, I don't know, 90, 900 million lives, whatever it ends up being. But that's a lot of people. So don't give me that as an excuse. But carry that 1% out for decades, which is what we have. Atherosclerosis is decades. It's not a five-year disease. It's not a three-year disease. It's decades. Carry that out over the next 50, 60, 70 years. It eclipses, it dwarfs the relative risk reduction by tremendous amounts. And you can go to my cholesterol book and look at that when it pops out. I'll even send you a free copy. I don't even care. I have nothing. I'm not trying to gain anything. I'm never going to run any ads on this podcast. I don't really care to make any money off of you. I don't want your money. Keep it. This has nothing to do with that. It has to do with saving lives. I went into this business. I wouldn't even call it a business. I went into this field because I want to save lives. And this is one way I can save lives without even meeting them, without even seeing them without even touching them, without putting my stethoscope on them, without doing a stress test or an echocardiogram on them, without doing a cardiac cath on them, without any of that. You go watch this podcast or listen to it, send it out to your buddies and your friends. Some, If I save one life and one guy decides, you know what, maybe this, maybe I shouldn't be eating saturated fat. Maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Uh, maybe I should get my cholesterol down. Maybe I should be taking that statin. My cholesterol is 300. Maybe I should be taking it. If I can save one life, I feel like we we've done a good job. So anyways, that's all for today. Um, share this podcast with others, leave some five-star reviews, and hopefully we can get this out to more people so they can live healthier and happier and longer. Peace.